Mental health and wellness are crucial aspects of well-being. Their understanding and acceptance are vital for the progress of society. In a cultural context, mental health is often shrouded in stigma and misunderstanding, leading to a lack of proper support and care for those affected. Heal Your Mind with Tracy Cotson is a platform for candid conversations that enlighten and enrich our understanding of mental health and wellness. Join us as we demystify, destigmatize, prioritize, and shine a light on mental health and healing. Heal Your Mind podcast with Tracy Cotson is hosted by Mental Wellness Initiative and supported by the Ford Foundation. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining me, Tracy Cotson, as we discuss gasping for sanity, the struggles that youth are facing with mental health and wellness. In studio with me today, we have Zimkita Gebeda, who is the founder and managing director of Skills Empire, where they focus on skills development and training for young people. Also in studio, we have Mampo and Nate, who are participants on learnerships being offered at Skills Empire. And we have Dr. Njabulo, who joins us from UJ. She's a postdoctoral research fellow and head of public health and well-being. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you. (laughs) So just a reminder, this is an open conversation. Um, It's not question and answer, so please let's just have a discussion around youth and uh, mental health challenges. I'm going to start with you, Zimkita, just to get us going. Of course. (laughs) Um, So so you and I have known each other for a while. We worked together years ago, both in the youth and skills development space. Can you share a little bit on what you're seeing with your youth participants and in terms of their challenges around mental health? What has been your lived experience in that space? Okay, so um, I think in the past almost 10 years of working with young people, I'm at a stage of I've kind of almost seen it all, but every time and every day it it seems new and everything seems different. So the the young people that we deal with are going through a lot and they're mm-hmm. going through the most. And I've had to live through people with depression, people with anxiety. We've seen people who have had panic attacks. We've seen people who have abused substances while during work. We've seen it almost become normal to just have issues on on a daily basis. And also we've seen people not being able to talk about it. We've seen people who just, it's still stigmatized a bit. And coming from my own background, my own personal background in terms of who I am, it's it's always a matter of we focused as as an as a institution on the things that will bring money in, or we focused on the things that will bring employment in and mental health issues sort of take a back burner sometimes mm. and we don't always have the time, the space, the capacity to deal with them, but they're there. Mm. So, I mean, my sense has always been that you can't do skills development work, expecting anyone, in fact, but particularly young people to onboard new knowledge without addressing pre-existing trauma, Mm -hmm. pre-existing pain and woundedness and related mental health and well-being issues. Mm -hmm. So does that resonate true for for Nate and Mampo? Does it resonate as being some, does that make sense to you? Yes, in a sense that I actually do believe that before you can install or 
master any set of skills, it's very important to check in with yourself, prepare your the in your inner self before mm. you go and log in and uh, implement that skill. You know, Tracy, mm. I was thinking. So when we first started, it was a matter of what brings in money. You know, where, how do we get them employed? How do we get them in front of opportunities and mm. and all of these things? How do we get them skills? And then it was a matter of, especially maybe me, because I'm not a very let's go inward kind of person. I had to stop and be like, okay, there's issues here. Mm. There is things that I am not capable of dealing with. There is conversations that need to be had. And from that point onwards, it was a matter of, okay, even if we talk about it, even if we have a rara session, even if we play games. So we've started playing games and just to see where are you, check in every day. And for me, the biggest thing was being aware. It took us a while as an organization to be aware that there mm. is even issues there because we just daily, day by day, bread, you know, putting bread on the table, right. upscaling a human being. And it had to, we had to stop and be like, okay, there is more to development than just the skill. There is more to development than just the technical skill that you give a person. You actually, there is, there is holistic. The, the human being is more than just the skill that mm. we're teaching them. There is more to this thing. And we keep learning every day. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you're asking Zumkita, but I, I'm just fascinated because the question you just posed to her now and the one that Mampo also addressed, it reminded me, and this is not about youth development, but back in the days when I used to work in early childhood development in KZN, we had quite a number of ECD sites that we were supporting. And I was quite impressed about how our organization, even though, and because because I went there not knowing that our main area was training, mm -hmm. you wouldn't think that we were doing training because in the areas that we worked and set up these ECT centers or sent, you know, the jungle gyms and stuff, we had to incorporate all these other aspects. And just like you said, that you can't expect a young person to grasp anything if they have mental health issues. Our thing was that you can't teach a kid or a child if they're hungry. So mm. a lot of our ECD programs so were about hunger and, mm. you know, trying to get them to have immunization cards and all these other things. And But our main thing was just also training of the ECD yeah. practitioners. But we ended up having this very multifaceted sort of like, you know, program because I think what I'm trying to say is that it kind of seems like if you're doing um, sort of like programs like you're, I mean, working in the communities in Kita, you just can't run away from these things. You can't go in there and say, I want to do skills, even if you come with a good heart mm. and, and, and good intentions. There just seems to be these things that will always be there because mm. that's the nature of our country and our context. Right. Yeah. And, and I think some skills development programs are tending to focus on how we empower young people who are in impoverished communities. Right. But inherent in that, we're also recruiting young people into learnership programs and other skills development programs who come from complex living conditions. And, and because that's the target group, we must make an assumption that more work needs to be done because they come already from an unequal base. Yeah. Basic stuff. So stuff that kids are learning in private schools conversations that are happening in better resourced homes, mm -hmm. um, kids in impoverished communities are not having those conversations. So by the time they become youth and young adults, they're trying to make their way into the world of work. But there's very little grounding for a lot of that kind of internal stuff. You mentioned that when we were off air, Mampo, the, the internal resources. Yes. Um, and in fact, Nate, you'd spoken to it too. 
how do I know who I am and what I want? Um, Nate, maybe you can just share now what you'd shared um, before we started the conversation here about a little bit about your journey and how you frame yourself in that. So like coming from like an improvised background, like it's really hard when to learn or to grasp anything in a workspace or at school because you're just stressing like me, for instance, when I'm at work, it's hard for me to grasp anything because I'm stressing already. If it gets stuck before I get home, I might get marked, I might get this. So it's really, really hard for us to grasp anything because you're always stressing about what will happen afterwards. You're not even focusing on whatever it is that is happening at work, what someone is trying to show you or what are they trying to teach you because you're stressing about when I get home, this, this. And even now we used to hearing gunshots before we sleep. So now you have a stress mm. who got killed, who got shot. So it's stuff like that. It's really hard for us to grasp anything coming from that background. Yeah. Mm. So Dr. Njabulo, from your point of view as an academic, as a woman, as a person who has a passion for, for healing and helping, how important do you think it is that we have mental wellness programs for young people if we're also trying to equip them for the adult world? It's Quite important. I just want to start by saying, um, Tracy, whenever I speak about young people and their wellness, I always think about even for basic health, I mean, like sexual reproductive health and rights type mm-hmm. of issues. You know, you find that, um, and I think we mentioned it before we got onto, you know, the formal chat that we're having now is that we kind of speak over young people. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like we see kids and then we see adults, mm-hmm. but young people just fall somewhere in between the cracks. And so for me, the most yeah. important thing is that who are they? What are their ages? What are they going through? Where are they? What is their primary occupation? Where are they sitting during the day? So the more we understand about them and is, is the more we will understand what, what they're going through. Just to give an example, yesterday I was doing some, a bit of reading. And I remember, because back when I was, when I was doing those ECT programs, I had to visit one of the sites and there was also some, some young people. And I remember asking some of the ladies about some of the other societal, well, community issues they were mm. having, you know, just to get a feel. And they're talking about how they've got a high suicide rate amongst the boys. Mm. And it, it was a place actually close to my home, sort of like township, but, you know, and I was surprised that I didn't know this. And just now when I was reading yesterday, you know, there's still this constant sort of like rise on suicide, uh, you know, amongst young people. And it's linked with, you know, all these things. And obviously, it's not even just in our country. It's global. Right. It's it's, it's a global pandemic. Suicide rates, suicidal thoughts, you know, amongst young people. And so one of the things that I think we're really missing, and and, and I'm glad that Mambo and Nate are here because they've touched on it, is that our communities are not safe. Mm. And so young people... The, what they see is a bleak, dark world. And I can resonate with that. When I grew up back in the days, we grew up back in the days when ANC and IFP were fighting. Mm-hmm. And I remember how it was growing up in the township. I wasn't unhappy at home as much as we didn't have a lot. Mm. But our community was an unhappy place. Mm-hmm. And even though I wasn't the one being shot at and stuff, but that, so they call it social capital. That's what we should be looking at. So, and, and research shows that if you want to invest in young people programs for mental health, the social capital of the community has shown, I think at about 73% of young people in a poll that UNICEF did is, is, is much more important than the family. So it's fine to have a good supportive family, but it's not fine to have an, an, a, a mentally not well 
community, community. because mm. those issues affect young people a little bit more than you know the family so True. that's definitely where we need to be mm. yeah but i suppose you can you can think of if the family unit if it's just happening in the family unit it's just your family unit but if it's happening and when i say it's i mean an assortment of things right the, the it's is very very broad then it's then it's the entire community that is in pain an entire community that is struggling and i think the the compounded nature of it being yeah. everyone's struggle i think can really dissolve a sense of peace so i'm i'm really hearing what you're saying mm, true so i had done what dr jabulu said about being stuck where adults and children even at home as a youth because you expected to act as an adult but then their situation whereby you are told you are a kid <laughs> when they are problems in the house they are fighting when you try to address that but no you're a kid you can't address that but then at the same time they expect you to act like an adult which is very very hard for the youth to grasp and to understand because i'm expected to act like i'm old but then the situations where i'm not included because they still see me as a kid mm. although they expect me to uh, to act like them they expect me to go to work bring money help in the family but then when there are issues in the family i can't help because i'm a kid so mm. it's really really hard So yeah it's like relational schizophrenia <laughs> like yeah am i a, a kid am i an adult and that was that's such a valid point that you both made jabula and nate that we just jump over that aspect of how do we actually cultivate someone into adulthood versus just expecting that at 18 some magical fairy pops out of the woodwork and waves a magic <laughs> wand and now we're suddenly supposed to know how to adult and i'm living this in my own home right my son is 20 and so nate i'm laughing inside myself because my son will say to me in this situation mother dear and he says mother dear when he's being sarcastic in this situation mother dear Would you like me to be your child or would you like me to be an adult? Okay. Like what do, like how are we negotiating <laughs> equality in this conversation? And he calls us out on it. Um and I think that is so important because even me as a parent and my son is very tall. He looks a lot older than he is. And sometimes he'll say to me, I might be physically this big. But please understand, I only became an adult five minutes ago. I don't know how this works. You have to actually sit down and show me how it works. Mm. And I think sometimes my lazy answer is, can you just go Google it, please? <laughs> <laughs> But in fact, as parents, our presence in helping our young people negotiate and navigate that space between the last day of school and then the the first paycheck the first graduation the first buy a car the first all of those mm-hmm. milestones that happen later that we can't expect him to just you can't download an app for that into your child you actually have to do the work of helping them navigate the space mm-hmm. but if you can't do that as a parent because for multiple reasons no one ever did it for you or you just don't have inherently the skill set to navigate that space Zamkita, do do you guys have programs or have you seen things in the market that help young people navigate those spaces? It's a fine balance, mm-hmm. even in from a programmatic point of view, of how much do you mother mm. these young people mm. when they hear? Because mm. I always call them my kids. Mm. How much of of what are, what we do is is mothering and is nurturing, and versus we need to give them the tools so that they can figure out their lives. Mm. How much do we 
do we, you know, um, handhold them versus here is a platform, here is Google, here is internet, figure it out. Mm. And it's always a fine balance because I come from a school of figure it out and they come from a school of I know what my rights are and I know what I need and I need help with this. Mm. So as an institution, we need to be able to say, okay, it's time to have a conversation. How much do we do this and how much do we, you know, have, have, um, in terms of handholding and not handholding. And sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't. And it's okay. So I always have to tell my team that it's all right. Mm. We will not always get it right. We won't, we don't know. And we, we, we from different backgrounds and, Every single young person that walks through the door is dealing with something different mm. and it's individualized and we can't have a blanket, you know, statement mm. also that this is how we deal with trauma. This is how we deal with anxiety. Mm. We can't. So we have to deal with it from an individual. All we can do is put as many things in place that they can have access to. Mm. And at the very least, and if we can't afford to have a counselor, you know, in the office, then we should be able to have a number where they can dial. We should have, you know, work with companies that can be able to support us in this instance. So back to your question, we do have companies that we work with that, you know, sometimes we will align ourselves, we'll, we'll do this for them and they do this for us because funding is a problem, right? Mm. It's not, the stuff isn't free. Yeah. It's expensive to get help sometimes. So we will work with organizations that, okay, um, they check in with the, with the learners and they do like a mental check-in every single day with them as a phone call. It's a 10-minute conversation. Sometimes we'll have um, organizations that come in and they do programs dealing with your inner child. Sometimes we'll just sit and we'll talk with them. Sometimes we'll do meditation or whatever the case is. But it's always a I, I'm, I'm of the view that it doesn't hurt to have any conversation with any of these um, programs that are out there. And if we can just have access to them, and if that access could be free, that'd be great. Mm. Somebody please tell the president. But um, <laughs> it's it's a matter of opening the doors and having access or giving access to the young people so that if I can't help them, I can point them in the right mm. direction. Mm. Yeah, can I comment on that? So I like that you asked that question, Tracy, and I just want to add on to what you said, Simkita, because you mentioned the balance, especially when you start talking about mothering, mm. because, you know, for me as well, even though I'm, I'm young at heart, but I'm not that young anymore in terms of <laughs> the constitution. So I think, <laughs> you know, I always think about, constitution. you know what I'm saying? How do we balance what we already know, which is mm. useful for young people with what is autonomy for them what mm. they want because the truth is they really do know what they want mm -hmm. the, you know the end stuff so i think one of the things that works and i love that you keep going back to this to say um there are programs out there that are there uh, that you can learn from you know um uh, some of the work that I've done with the youth in the past, even though I worked for health-based um, sort of NGOs, we were fortunate to have, you know, partners that were doing all these evidence-based mm. um, programs. And, you know, some of them are like from America and stuff. They, you know, Americans believe in this mentorship, you know, girl yeah. prop 
girl girl sort of guide programs mm. whereby they mentor someone and then the mentor mentors other young people in the community. And I found those programs worked quite well. But the reason also why some of them worked so well is the way they segmented them. So what I wanted to say as well about young people is that they are not one big homogenous group. You know, mm. that research I mentioned earlier mm. on, UNICEF is saying, uh, okay, maybe I shouldn't be mentioning names, <laughs> but research and, and, and a lot of like... No, research you can mention so we can go look. Go. <laughs> Listeners can go look for that research. It's yeah. UNICEF. <laughs> yeah, UNICEF and, and, and I suppose other sort of like um, 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 literature out there mentioning young people, you you find that they will be like, 12 to 30 or mm. 12 to 24. You know, this big, long band. But if you think about it, let's talk about the study that I, I'm talking about. It says children from 15 to 30. First of all, children, I have a problem with the fact that a 15-year-old is not a child. But also, if I had to design a program for 15-year-olds, maybe to 17, mm. it wouldn't be the same for the 24-year-olds mm. too, I don't know. You know. So one of the things we have to do as well is we segment our programs mm. because young people don't have the same needs yeah, exactly. at different at different you know sort of stages. I know there was one program where we were also struggling to, 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 to determine what went where. And like I said, I mean, it's some of the programs because I was from a, a public health sort of background. We were doing sexual reproductive rights pr uh, program. So what we did, which was quite a nice exercise, was all these cards with different skills. Skills. <laughs> so skills like when should you know about when your period starts? What, you know, mm. when should you know about what sex is and how it feels like and all these things, you know, different, different skills that you can think of a, an adolescent or mm. a, t a young person. And so we, 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 and then we had the segments. We had the different age bands, whatever they were, you know, 12 to 15, 16 to 19 or whatever it is. And you would be surprised how now we had to, we were able to separate to say, although a young person might need to know this at the age of 15, not at the age of 24. And some of the skills that some of us thought that someone should only know at the age of 24, we felt that, you know, you can move that down. Mm. This person should already know this by the age of 17. Mm. And so it was just a nice exercise for us to sort of map out what goes where and how we would channel our programming sort of sort of, you know so that we speak to the actual needs of the tug of the age group hmm. you know sort of yeah no exactly because a 34 year old could be the parents of the 12 year old i don't know how we can have them in the same you know the same category mm -hmm. um and also if you're staggering your programs at that age appropriate development but the next level depends on what has been learned in the level before that starts bridging that gap that, that when we talk about like instantaneous adulthood, it starts looking like how are we cultivating mm. adulthood through really deliberate intervene and uh, interventions is becoming less and less of a popular term, but engagements with mm. young people in an age appropriate topic appropriate way so that when again, not expecting the wish fairy to show up at 18 and mm. suddenly expect them to be adults. What are we doing really deliberately to to cultivate it, to nurture young people into adulthood? Mm. Uh, Mampo, I want to come to you. You you've been at uni, right? At university. Yes. All right. So so maybe just from <coughs> your perspective, you know, being on campus for three years or so, um, what did you see and hear and experience from a campus point of view about what young people are struggling with? And I know it's not a scientific answer, but just yeah. in your own experience out of that sort of space. I actually come to realize that um, a lot of my peers at the time 
Yes, we knew what we wanted to do after grade 12. However, I don't think mentally we were prepared or coming from uh, family backgrounds where, you know, a, a very career guidance, career guidance and advices on how to handle that world, which is new, mm. should go about. Mm. Like I would find out that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we're starting to prioritize things that we are, are not the real reason why we are there mm. for first before the actual reason why we are there and not knowing how to fully go into our total, uh, into our bubble of total focus so that we're not easily distracted by a whole lot of things that are happening in such a big, brand new environment, mm -hmm. such as big as an, a university. So it was really challenging for, 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 for one to just isolate yourself intentionally. I'm isolating myself from all a whole lot that is happening into focusing onto the reason why I'm here. And I think had we, or, or had most of us been coming from a background where we were advised and guided as to say, these are the things you can do. These are the tools you can use when you get to a very destructive environment, such as a university rest life, to fully go on into focusing and achieving the real goal as to why you are there, which is your degree or qualification. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, conversations about how to fully discipline and have self-control should be had more often at, at homes. Mm. Yeah. Sure. I mean, when you said um, destructive, like university raised love, <laughs> I actually had a visceral reaction to that statement. Um, I've never heard it phrased like that before. And I, I didn't uh, well, have the, the pleasure or torment, depending on how you want to look at it, <laughs> Of living on res, but I have, um, I've dealt with counseling cases of things that have happened in residential um, spaces on campus. And I think what I'm hearing between the lines is that it's such a new environment. You can be quite overwhelmed by, yeah, yeah. number one, you are liberated now. Right? Yes. There's no parents <laughs> over your shoulder, so you can go wild. Yeah. And you're not, you're not being micromanaged as to your attendance in the classroom no. because the teachers are like, oh, if you're there, you're there. If you're not, it's also fine. You're an adult now, adult in, <laughs> yeah. in my, uh, what sky question marks. So if, if you're that overwhelmed and you haven't been prepared for how to stay focused and grounded. Yeah. And then that's what I'm hearing on the reason that you're there and without being sucked into, I'm free now, there's a million yeah. boys here or there's yeah. a million girls here, there's parties happening. So how did you mm. get through all of that? How did you stay focused? So luckily um, I bumped into an author who had a, it's not really a podcast. I don't know. It's not a podcast on YouTube. Mm. This man was teaching how, uh, about how to to unleash your inner uh, pro-athlete self and greatness and installing a habit that's going to help you achieve more in less time. Okay. Foca mainly focused on um, self-mastery. Mm. Yeah. So when I found out that actually I was just looking for a way on how I can get to enjoy what I'm doing, which is studying because studying, it's not easy. 
So he was teaching about um, installing a habit that is going to prevent you from your energy being depleted throughout the day when you're at school and also moving moving or exercising until you sweat as that actually does something into your brain. I just forgot what is the term, but I think he said that it releases a chemical called serotonin, which Mm -hmm. makes you feel cheaper and helps you have the fire in your belly Mm -hmm. to, to can be look, to can be um, looking forward to taking on the day, no matter what comes up, but as long as you fully prepared yourself. So you, what you do is you exercise and then you journal down what are your daily plans, by, but also uh, starting with gratitude, writing down and reminiscing of the things that made you happy the day before. And also the last uh, part is learn something new. But because I was studying, so I would read and I would find myself actually my concentration span being so... Um, so fresh that I'm able to grasp a lot. I'm able to fully go into a total, uh, into a bubble of a total focus and study for longer, mm. longer hours without really feeling that I'm studying, but I would enjoy doing that. So that's how, that was my coping mechanism. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Can I add on top of go for what Mambo is saying? It, I've also like went to YouTube to look for self-mastery, mastering of emotional self and there are three YouTubers I used to watch and they all talk in different ways, but then they base off the same topic. And I've tried to pick apart, like make a basis for myself using the three of them. So I do channeling every day in the morning when I wake up and meditate, read a book, all those things that just calm your mental, calm your soul and all that. But then what I found out is when I offer that to my friends, my peers, it's shun upon. When you mm. say to them, I wake up and meditate, like, nah, dog, you're not okay. Why, why would you meditate? <laughs> Life is too fun for you to be stressing about. So I feel like peer pressure is also the case because going, going to rest, I've never been to rest, but mm-hmm. then I've heard people who, who go to rest, going to rest, already you know what you want to do. You're like, okay, I want to study this. Then when I'm done with this, I'm going to do this. But then when you get there, the peer pressure is galore because people mm. left and right are telling you, we're going to the party, decide are you coming? Then when you're like, I'm not coming like, ah, you're a boring person and all that. So it's also coming to trying to impress people and not focusing on yourself. It's mm. trying to impress because if Mampo likes me, then my life address will be better. So you will start doing things that Mampo is doing so that you can impress them. Forgetting that you had a goal, you knew what you wanted, you you said something for yourself that you wanted to achieve this and this, then you get lost in this lifestyle of partying, girls and all that, then you forget who you are. Then when you wake up, bah, you are 31 and there's nothing you can do now. Then yeah, life hits you. <laughs> oh, I like so, Yeah, I, I love the, the realness with oh. which you are telling these stories. And also Tracy, I think just a matter of... You know, when you're talking about self-mastery, Mampo, and, you know, the focus that you guys have at this young age, which is great, mm-hmm. and and the the access to information, you know, YouTube wasn't around back mm-hmm. in my days, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what I what I always had a struggle with in general was when it comes to mental health is is the, the awareness of it and the beginning of it. Like, what is it? And... Um, before I can go onto YouTube and say, um, okay, I'm going to want this guy or this podcast. And even before I can refer some of my kids now to say, look, I may not have a counseling session. However, mm-hmm. there is this, you know, very useful resource, you know, but I need to know what they're dealing with. So what, 
at what level are we are we talking about when we talk about mental health? What is mental well-being for each person? So what's the general umbrella of the term? And what is it in my environment? And what is it in your space? Before we can even go say, okay, cool, this is what we can do as Skills Empire. This is the only thing that we can do right now. We could be looking to do this, this and that. But what we can't do, here's a podcast. Here's a YouTube thing. But mm. before we get there, it's hard to do when we don't know what is it that we're trying to solve for? What is this mental health thing? You know, is it as long as I see you come in at work every single day and you're on time and you go home and you're safe, have I done my part as as an organization? Or is it mental health when you when I look at you and I see you smiling, mm. when I look at you and I see you engaging? It can't be that. There is way more. And people present themselves as okay, but they're not. Mm. You know, how do we get to that? space of understanding what mental health is and talking about it and, you know, opening ourselves up. Even me, I'm asking as an organization, we can do better. I, I, I know that. But how do we do so? How do we get there? How do we have these conversations mm -hmm. and what is it? I think it's so important what you're saying. The You can't go and look for information if you don't even have the basic understanding or you don't have a curiosity mm -hmm. awakened in you. Um, to even know that you're missing something. So mm. I think that's such an important part of this. And how do we mm. trigger those early awakenings and early understandings? You know, also from, from an organizational point of view, legacy-wise, um, people must leave their personal stuff at home, right? Mm. That's how that's how organizational culture yes. is. Um, and I'm very pleased and proud to be contributing to rewriting <laughs> that organizational yep. culture because yeah. I think it is incredibly damaging. Yes. Um, because wherever you go, there you are. Your whole you shows up wherever you go. With your baggage. With your whole Louis Vuitton, mm -hmm. you know, or your Chinatown bags. I <laughs> must admit mine are from Chinatown. Um, yeah. With your whole baggage and you cannot amputate a piece of yourself and leave it in the bag you know, at the door and then go into the office minus this piece of yourself because you're inauthentic. Mm. You're not really connecting with people. So it's going to catch up with you. And exactly. And and long term, if you if you look at it from an organizational lens, it's going to hurt your productivity yes. and, and your contribution, right? Exactly, yes. to that organization. Mm. But organizations are not equipped so they don't want to open the Pandora's box of how are you really because they're not equipped to deal with what's going to come crawling out of it. Um, and for the organizations who are even remotely brave, they they refer you then to the employee wellness or the HR department and they literally outsource your problems to someone else. But it's better at least because some of those resources it's better. I've found that organizations that have that, it, it's better because they realize that we've got staff and there are these issues and maybe our HR department is not enough. And so we will outsource this organization and that whatever. And I mean, in my previous organizations, they did that as well. I found that as much as there was a lot I didn't like about them, I liked that aspect mm -hmm. that they, they allowed staff to do that. And more than that, there was you know, contributions for medical aid and stuff. So if mm. people who had discovery could even have their families. I felt that it was an issue because of of the the love for mental health. I, it felt for me that they are trying. Mm. Yeah, they're trying. Yeah. <laughs> they are trying. They're trying. However, people are still shying away from those facilities, from, from the services, right? Yes. From the You're right. And also. I feel like the problem. Okay, growing up, as because I'm the oldest 
I can say men in my family because mm-hmm. my uncle lives far, so I'm the only old like male in my family. So there's this stigma which as a man you don't talk about your problems, especially to a woman. So I grew up listening to that. No, you don't talk about this. You don't talk. So mm. I feel like there are many males out there who are dealing with the same thing, that they have a lot of this package, but then they can't give it to anyone else because they are told, which, no, mm. a man doesn't talk. A man deals with it and then moves on. So I feel like the problem become, it, it, the problem is there because you go to a space to be like, okay, here is, is a program for you to talk about your feelings, talk about this. People don't want to talk. They don't want to, they don't want to unleash these packages for some reason and they don't like when people go into their personal space because sometimes it feels personal, Guti. I must discuss this with this person. I don't even know this person. I don't know what this person's going to do with this information. And also paying for this is is also very expensive. So I feel like the problem is that people don't want to talk about it because they've been taught not to talk or they have the fear with, if I tell if I tell someone about this, what are they gonna do with this information? Mm. Where is this information going? So I feel like the fear is there. Great. And yeah, also true. culturally as well. Um I remember just to add on what Onate is saying, there was a time where we did a program, we tried to do a meditation a couple of years ago. <laughs> and we sat in a room with young people and we did meditation. Some of them had never done meditation, some of them had. And the things that came out of that session from a cultural point of view as well, it was a system, please don't ever do this again because you know, and it was things we were not prepared for. You know, now yeah. people are saying, you know, we're speaking to ancestors through this meditation and I can't do it and it's mm, not the right yeah. space. And it was things we were not prepared for. We were just like, you know, you know, talk to your inner self. And it was way deeper than it, it we thought it was going to be because now humans were, were, were going through the most and there was connections with the ancestors that came out and it was, it was scary, but it also, gave us this this eye-opening moment of, you know, even the tools that are there, they're not necessarily always individualized to what we as a society mm-hmm. come from or where we come from as as a culture, as a human being. Mm-hmm. So there's much more that still needs to be done. So meditation <laughs> is good, but it's good for certain things. Yeah. Um, dancing and singing is good, but it's mm-hmm. also good for certain things. Mm-hmm. Playing games is good, it's good for certain things. So even in terms of trying to say, okay, here is counseling. Um, yeah. Cam talked, and then there's, you know, people were going to say, Dindo, I, I'm not, I'm I can't, I, I can't do it mm. culturally. I'm a man and I can't, mm. I can't be that person. So how do we overcome such hurdles? And yeah. it is tricky. Mm. But I think the most important thing is, like you were mentioning, doctor, that access and also the trying of it all. Mm. We can only try, right? And as long as we say, here is a couple of doors, here's a couple of solutions, you can find one that works for you. Mm. And I think if we are able to, at least at the very least, say that we can do that, that's a start. Mm. Yeah. And also just trying to understand what what is in the Louis Vuitton bag? Right. <laughs> right. Unpack the baggages. Yeah, exactly. I, I think when, when, when companies are trying to do things for youth, and, and I know you're, you're on, on a service delivery in Zimkita around skills development work, but let's say a corporate who wants to, and I've got a, an, an example alive and well in my head, but I'm definitely not saying the, the name of, of that organization. <laughs> um, but let's say a corporate 
wants to do a skills development program, you know, and sometimes these things are motivated by the BE scorecard and we can even question, we can even question the, um, the motivations of that if the motives are, are, are really pure. But they, they go out and they, they put a program together and they find young people. And, and what's the thing they always, always ask about? What is your absorption rate? Correct. Right. So after learnership, how many people Correct. are now technically employable? Yeah. But I find that they're so far removed from what, from, from what these young people are coming from yep. and what they actually need. There's this enormous. So we, we speak often about the, the gap between a young person leaving school and their readiness for kind of corporate employment. Mm -hmm. And I'm using corporate employment deliberately because it's the biggest gap Mm -hmm. sits between um, a young person coming out of Alex and then just hop and skip across the road into Santon to get employed there. And it's five kilometers apart, but it's worlds apart. And we speak about that gap often. What we don't speak about is the reverse gap. The corporates know nothing of what these young people have had to deal with, of where they come from, of what they need, of who they are. Um, And there seems to be some sort of like a corporate education of some sort, you know, that and I find that that is such a big gap. Why are we asking the young people, why are demanding from them to close the gap, but not making the same demand of corporates to come out of their fancy Mm -hmm. offices Mm -hmm. And, and get on the streets and understand that gap for themselves. That's a very good question. It is. Um, and, and most corporates, like you're saying, it is a tick box exercise. And which is why organizations such as ours exist because it's like, cool, tick your box. Give me the money so I can actually do something about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and most corporates really don't ask the questions. They don't even want to know who they are. They don't really, um, I'm not going to say not care, but they don't really have the time or capacity to worry about, okay, how many people did, be, how, how many young people are on the program? Who are they? What are they dealing with? It's a, let's get this thing done. Let's tick a box, which is fine because then there's other organizations that can come and do the work, but there's definitely a gap in between, um, what the expectation is because at the end of that program corporates and whoever else sponsored it is going to be like okay cool so how many got into your job and i'm like uh zero because we were dealing with these big things exactly right don't ask me about a job if for me i we moved a human being from point a to point b that point b may look so different from an individual one can be like you know what i had blockages and i was coming from an abusive family and i now earn a stipend and i can go and live by myself mm. thank the lord mm-hmm. and i'm done you know that is a milestone for them and that's an achievement and the other one is going to be like look i have access to a computer I can actually apply for a job. You've changed my life. And that is not measured by anything within the system because it's not a job, right? Mm. And therefore, we haven't really done anything. But just being able to be there and, and listen and provide that whatever that gap is for that human being is entirely different from what the gap that the client or the, or the sponsoring corporate wants. But... It's still there, but it's not really measured. And therefore, yeah. you, it might look like you're not doing anything, but you are. You've gotten a certain human being from point A to point B. Mm. 
and that individual transformation yep. that, that those human beings are experiencing. And so we're measuring youth development according to corporate's metrics exactly. of achievement, not according to the youth's own exactly. metrics of achievement. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. also, and those metrics are individual, sorry. Uh-huh. So those metrics are individual. So um, a, a, a Nate is going to say, I am great now for having gone through this program because I can speak in front of a crowd. And Mampo is going to say, I'm great now because I got access to actually uh, implement my project management skills and I'm ready for corporate. Someone else is going to have say, I, I won because I got in front of an opportunity and I actually got a job. But no one's actually measuring those little things mm-hmm. that are being done yeah. as something. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Tabula, you were about to say something as well. Yeah, no, but I'm glad some kids went before because I was going to say the same. I was going to say now as we're talking, um, I'm thinking about, I think it was a question or a comment you said much earlier and then we've moved the conversation to this part about corporates. But I was going to say the one other thing that I think the the... Um, the, our, our, our programs for, 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 for mental health and wellness for young people, um, are kind of, I'm, I won't say missing, but for me, it's more like a desire. You know, when you introduced me, you said I, our unit is public health and well-being. Mm. And there's a reason why we added the well-being part mm. of it is because we strongly believe in the fact that people should be well first before we get to the part whereby we're diagnosing and there's medication and psychiatric things. And, you know, you know, you know as well when you Google youth health, and all these things, you know, you find all these things about youth depression and stuff. I understand that there are psychological disorders like that that are clinical, mm. but I, I, I tend to really believe more into what are we doing for youth to to know themselves? Because mm. for me, that's mental wellness as mm. well. Yes. Someone that is like, you know, when Mampo was talking about the example at university, I was also having, you used a nice fancy word. What did you say when you were having, you were just talking about res? <laughs> Oh, destructive uh, environment. Yeah, she she said it was a destructive. Yeah, but I said you can be tormented or or nurtured by it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was thinking what? that it depends on who you are. And I found that in especially because in in our country there's a lot of the rural, um, rural being also Alex, just mm. but rural being the the rural, the, mm-hmm. you know, the farms yep. is Lalin. So a, a lot of those um 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 um, um young people moving into the city or into university or any of the other spaces, they already are not knowing or or, or affirming themselves. And that's where the issue is. So I found that when I've met young people with self-esteem issues, with navigation issues, issues of not knowing to go to YouTube or not being able to talk or all these other things, Mm -hmm. is that we don't encourage our people, our young people enough to, 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 to know themselves, mm. to, 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 to be well with who they are. You know, when you speak about the Louis Vuitton bag, mm. I once went, for example, to Rose University and I was also shook. I didn't end up there. And some of the things that I now can talk about as wins or positive things, some of them had to come from really drawing from some, you know, sort of strength that was not necessary had I known and had I been encouraged of who I was in an environment that are so diverse. Mm. So I think what I'm trying to say is that I, 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 I also hear what we're saying is that we are talking about mental health in terms of dealing with the issues like Zimkita keeps bringing up, whether they are going through stuff or abuse or, you know, but there's also an element of us building a strength of knowing who you are, you know, being comfortable with your Africanness yes. and mm. even your ruralness. You know, I saw, mm. I saw on TikTok this young, young, young girl from Guazulu Natal. She did a, 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 a vlog 
you know, of, of life in the in the rural areas. It was so cute. And she was talking about how she wakes up, she cuts the wood. It's really not acted out. It's so cute. Everyone was so talking about how it was the most, most authentic vlog. I mean, I'm from KZN, but I also am not from the rural areas. But I enjoyed that. And we enjoyed that because... Unlike what I've heard that slay queens that sit by Florida Road and drink champagne don't want to be known that they are from Mbangi. Mm-hmm. But she made a vlog about this is how it is, guys, when I'm not at university and I'm not slaying, this is what I'm doing at home. Right. And we need to bring young people to knowing that that's okay because it's, it's the beginning of knowing who you are and in totality. So mm-hmm. your Louis Vuitton bag and your clutch and your toiletry bag, everything must come together so that when you have an issue, you are not shook. Mm. because you, you you are kind of understanding. And so one of the things I wanted to also mention earlier on is that part of, because you asked from an academic background, it just got me thinking about how some of the theorists, and I don't like speaking about theorists because they are theorists, but I really liked one of the theorists that I, I read and he's a theorist on youth development, Eric Erickson. I know he's ancient, but one of the things he speaks about these conflicts that mm. young people have. And so it gets me thinking about, let's deal with those conflicts. Let's let's engage and let's dig deep, as mm. dirty and scary as it is, because that's where we will help them to, to, you know, to, to develop that wellness mm. and okayness with who they are. Mm. Like I said, because when... When we, when I've met people, even like in my own journey, like I said, when I was a young person, what got me to be well is really just remembering who I was. For example, I had friends who were very well off at home and I wasn't. And they were from the farms, I was from KZN and the township. And a lot of what happened to Mampo is that when I got to university, I had to always remember that you are not like them. Yeah. They come from well off yeah. homes. You don't. Mm-hmm. It helped me because I thought, you know what, Jeffs, you need to study. There are no cows at home and they're from the Eastern Cape, you know, but they were like wearing Levi's jeans and things like that. And I had to just understand that you, you've never owned one. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. relax, girl. Go to Mr. Price, mm. <laughs> you know. So it's one of those things. Yeah. yeah and be, being OK with your origins. Yeah. Just of. be you. Yeah. You know, so, so sorry. <laughs> OK, I'll, I'll come back to you, Zimkita. Um so, so in that toiletry bag in the Louis Vuittons behind the toothpaste is a parted legacy, right? <laughs> literally, we, literally, it's right there behind the toothpaste, mm. um, and that half a roll of toilet paper that we all travel with. But um, so, I think it's very hard to talk about conflicts for young people and the demands of what what the future demands of them mm. versus what is in the baggage. It's still that intergenerational trauma. It is still the fact that apartheid's key principle was dehumanizing people of color. Yeah. And and we still live with the literally the baggage of that, even if we were not alive in the throes of True. it, we've inherited yeah. from our parents and from the system and from society and community yeah. and whatever. And and now young people are expected to innovate, create, invent, entrepreneur, what mm. what all that good stuff. But we've not exercised the demons of how apartheid stripped away, you know, any sense of of confidence, of wholeness, of valuing our Africanness, because it, it was that not the fabric of apartheid? Was that being African in and of itself was a sin and a crime? You know, you know, like you're so you're just so unworthy of being alive because you were born the wrong color. And how do we reverse engineer the pain of that? I think a lot of what you're talking about, Jabulo, with with struggling to accept who we are 
I think it's it's rooted in that. It's true. No, so definitely. how do we, in one generation, how do we do it for these two young people, for Mampo and Nate, mm. and not wait for their children's children's children <laughs> to get the, the good end of this? How do we re-engineer that in this lifetime so that we actually can set these guys up for success? I think one of the things is also... Um, like because also what 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 happens is that talking about positive blackness and Africanness mm. in itself is is such, it's so it's a privilege and it shouldn't. So our our the, the education, you know, basic education should include elements of of this. I know they are doing LO now when I grew up it was guidance, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is. But there are different places that we can incorporate teaching about culture because one of the things that makes us not proud of about who we are is not knowing the background like you're right when i grew up we certainly knew about apartheid we knew about mandela we knew about a lot of things we even had ideas about why there's june 16 but it was only at actually because i didn't do history i did sciences it was only at university that i even knew about koisan you know beautiful things that i'm like wow this is gorgeous so i think Something about it has to start much earlier. Mm. You know, it can't be conversations that we're having at podcasts or at university or on YouTube. You know, and there's, there's, it started already. I can see on social media there's an influx of African teachings and things like that. But we need to really overtake. Mm. Overtake. And I think what's significant about your question as well, you're right. In the universities, because they are so previously not pro people of color right even the teaching and the way that they are formed and the way they are is not like that but there's also now units and institutions that are just focused on this and for me it's not petty it's necessary it's necessary agreed you know? i agree mm-hmm. i agree all right also, well sorry. Yeah, go, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead that's the question i had earlier yeah i just wanted to like add on this apartheid um toilet paper roll in this bag. <laughs> the <laughs> elephant in the room. <laughs> right. That um, sometimes I see it because we've all experienced it in different ways and it always manifests itself in different ways for depending on where you come from and, you know, what your background is. But sometimes with the youth that we deal with, I see it in in a very weird way of there's this sometimes with certain people. It's like, what's the point? Mm. You know, the system is rigged against me. So when you're going to come here and tell me to sit and, and learn about a computer, you're going to tell me to try and get a job, but there's no point. There is no jobs. Mm. I am, I am this black human being in this thing, which is why I'm going to go burn something, which is why I'm going to go, mm. um, destroy something because it's, I'm never going to win. And I was never going to win. My dad didn't win. My grandfather didn't win. My kids are not going to win. So let's just do what we can. And let's just take, take, take. Um, and in those conversation, you realize that it's a much deeper conversation. Like, how do you start solving for that problem when it is even you, you have got your own little roll of toilet paper mm, that you're dealing mm. with yourself. But now you have to come and speak to this young person and be like, look, man, it's, it's not total bleakness and it's, you can do the little bit that you can do. You can change your life. You can speak about these things, but it's much bigger than that. And I don't know. It's an institutional problem. It's a country problem. It is a young person, but it's also an individual problem. Mm. So I always say that for me, it starts with being aware of what my role of toilet paper is mm-hmm. 
And next to the Louis Vuitton bag of baggage, I must start having an empty bag or a new bag where I start filling it with positive things. I start filling it with mm. how, what is, what is it for me that's going to be, get me out of this? True. What's going to make this Louis Vuitton bag lighter for me personally? Mm. So I always say, do what you got to do to make sure that your lug your 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 baggage isn't as heavy and if you need to lug it lug it but if you need to take things out of it take things out of it mm. and move on so i i think this also leads to my question earlier um to Dr. Chabolo what part of mental health mm. is being aware you have a problem and is being aware of what the tools are and being able to use the tools mm-hmm. to mm. fix the problem i was having a conversation yesterday with a colleague we're talking about doing and not doing. So what we're talking about really is because we both read books and there's this book we are both reading currently. We're talking about how reading is shunned upon in our, in our community that when you read, you're called a nerd, a bookworm, all those words. But then people don't really realize when you read a book, you're actually helping yourself. You're actually growing yourself. You're actually planting a seed so that you can grow. The way the brain works, it it, it always wants to learn. Mm. So it depends whether you read a book or you do things that are done out there, like you learn bad things like going clubbing, doing this. And the thing about it is that people want to see someone do something before they can start doing it. Nobody wants to do it because they want to do it. Like, I want to do this. Then they will ask you, who has done this before? Then you, then when you check if that there's no one, you won't do it because you're scared that you will fail even before trying. So the thing is, we should try as much as we feel like the system is against us. Just try. Mm. If you fail, you fail instead of just sitting like, no, I'm a, I'm, I'm, my, my skin color is this. I won't be able to do this because of my skin color. Just do it. Mm. Just try. There's nothing worse than trying. The only thing you can get from trying, even if you fail, you can learn from that experience yeah. instead of not going through it at all and not gaining any type of skill or lesson from that. So we're talking about people, even if, I'm like, I want to do this. Then they're like, no, don't do this. Nobody's done it. Then you go ahead and do it. They will expect you to do something for them. Even though you told them, guys, let's do this. Then like, no, we won't do this because of this. Then when you go ahead and do it, you succeed. You be, now they're expecting to get your fruits of the yeah. numbers you yeah. did instead of going ahead and doing it. Instead of understanding, like they see the tip of the iceberg. They don't know what what it took for you to yeah, get them. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is you're going to tell them, let's do this together. They're like, no, we're not going to do this because of this and this and this and this. Then when you go ahead, they're like, hey, we're there from the beginning. Yes, we're there. But then you are not there throughout the whole journey. You want to be there in the beginning and the end of the journey, which doesn't make sense. Yep, not the sticky middle part. <laughs> yes. Not all that. <laughs> not all that. <laughs> all right, so we're very nearly out of time. Um, I think we'll just go around and have a closing comment. What did you take away from this? Or what do you want others to have taken away from this conversation? Um, so I think we'll start with Njabulo. Definitely for me. I think I've said part of it is the empathy that we should have for young people and you know, listen to them more than we are trying to tell them what to do. But more than that, I, I was I was going to answer Zimkita's question and I can do that as Please a close, do. is that we have these Louis Vuitton bags and some of it is stuff that we didn't put there, mm-hmm. like you said. Mm-hmm. We have the liberty to take some of the things out. And mm-hmm. I think young people need to know that is that you might have a bag where there's cultural what and there's this, that, there's trauma from your parents as what, but you have now 
the opportunity to offload. I know I always read this other meme on Facebook that says that you are not responsible for what was downloaded on your, you know, brain, but you you can reboot and reset. And we need young yes. people to know that you can yeah. reset. And what Nate is saying is that is that I can reset because I'll try something that no one has tried. So what if I fail? Mm. I, that's what I've chosen. It might be that in my family, no one's been doing this. And in my community, people think, don't go try and be Oprah, like I, people used to say to me. But I've tried a couple of things and I was Oprah and it succeeded mm. because I was like, let me just try. What 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 would hurt? Exactly. So I, that's what I want to say. We've got baggage. We might have whatever. We we are responsible for rebooting and resetting. And young people need to know that there's that choice there's that liberty there's that privilege that mm. they have yeah yeah Thanks. absolutely you know we, we should be reminded that oprah comes from extreme poverty <laughs> and yeah. so yes we should be like oprah like let's do it because mm. is that not an incredible role model for how to exactly. how to really transform one's life mm. closing comments nate on my end is that to the youth is that as much as we need to understand who we are, we need to understand where we are going. So in the case of leadership, the way I found this, I, I didn't even know there were leaderships, but then I found out and I was like, okay, you can come in tomorrow and then do this. I didn't know what's happening in the environment. And the first thing that you think about going to leadership is how much am I going to get? <laughs> There's nothing more than like, how much am I going to get? And then what I noticed, the minute we, we were given our contracts and how much we're going to get, a lot of people pulled out because they're like, no, I can't, I can't do with this type of money without understanding. Elenership is not about what you get there. This stipend is for you to get there and then go back home and then buy a few things. The whole point of elenership is for you to be equipped with skills for the workplace. So people don't understand that. They take elenership as a job, as a work where I'm mm. going to get paid for coming in. No, it's about, you must understand why you're there first before anything else. If you know why you're there, because it took time for me to understand why I'm there because there are a lot of people who are there and they don't know why they are there. You can see in their behavior, the way they're acting, their attendance and all that. They don't know what they are. There. They're just there for the money and then they can go ahead and move on their lives mm-hmm. without realizing at the end of the day, the learnerships are going to end. You're going to get older. You'll not be able to qualify for a learnership. What are you going to do from there? So I made it a point. Let me learn whilst I can. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm given an opportunity, I'm going to take it the way it comes because it's not a job. It's mm. it's something, it's it's for me to be equipped with skills. If I don't get a job, then I will go back to school. That's the only other choice I have. Mm. Instead of going them like, okay, I'm going to get this money. After this, I'm going to apply for another one, get money. After that, apply. Brother, you are getting old. You'll be 32. <laughs> You'll be 32. Like, you can't get a job. You are old now. And yeah. the, you've been jumping from a leadership to another. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. Mm. Before finding yourself, if even if you don't find yourself, just when you go to a place, understand why you're there for before anything else. Because if you don't know, you'll be swayed by the wind. Mm. Because you go to rest, you don't know why you're there. People come like, hey, we're going this side. You'll also go that side because you yeah. don't know why you're there. So understand why you're there and who you are. Then mm. take it from there. Okay. Mm. Thanks, Nate. I, l- I love your emphasis on having your own sense of agency. Yeah. Right. And and not being what blown in the wind, but having a clear sense of of direction. And I think from a mental wellness point of view and, and marrying what you've said to what Njabulo has said, if you recognize that we, ha- you have power within the situation, you have power within your own life to make decisions on what do I want to go on YouTube and learn? How do I want to focus my energies? What baggage can I leave behind? I think that is such a powerful headspace to be in as a young person. Thank you for highlighting that for us today. 
Zimkita. Hey, Tracy. Hey, Zim. <laughs> um, I think from my perspective, I'm inspired daily with working with young people. I'm inspired by their journeys. I'm inspired by what it takes for them to present themselves in these programs and stick it out because I, I have watched some fall off all the time because like Nate is saying, it's just like, oh, I, I just want to get paid. I'm not here to change my life. And the ones that stick it out are the ones that come back in a couple of years or in a couple of or however long it takes and they're like, this and that changed my life and that's the reason we exist. And for me to be able to sit with them and have conversations like this, it's inspiring and, it, you know, it opens these other conversations that need to be had. And as an institution, I want us to do better. And I think to all my other fellow institutions as well, you know, these are conversations that we must have because we're dealing with human beings. Mm. Yes, we're trying to tick boxes. Yes, we're trying to upskill and do all of these things, but we are dealing with human beings. And for the organizations that already do this, I commend them and I commend the ones that deal with, you know, mental health issues. Let's have these conversations together with those institutions because sometimes we work in these silos. We just focused on, um, I need to push numbers or I need to get people absorbed. I Mm. need to do all of these things because that's what I'm being paid to do. But if I opened or I put my head up and I actually looked around, there is organizations that are dealing with these things. There are young people that are advocating for themselves. And we need to talk more and we need to have these conversations more because if we don't, we're just perpetuating the problems. We are making that Louis Vuitton bag even bigger. Mm. So I think from my perspective, I, I, I'm also grateful for this conversation. And there's a lot more to be had. Mm. Wow. Yeah, thank you, Samkita. I think it's I think it's courageous work. We you know we spoke several times today about the courage to do something no one else is doing and then risking failure. But I think when we're trying to rewrite a social situation on the scale that we are, you know, youth being the biggest population group is in that mm. fifteen to thirty kind of yeah. category. Mm. And the future of the country, depending on them. And then when we look broader, the future of the continent, yeah. depending on the skills that are sitting in young people. If we don't courageously do things, even if we're not entirely sure it's the right thing, but it starts. Yes. And if we don't courageously do that, risking potentially some failure along. In fact, I'm going to say guaranteed some failure along the way because courage and failure go hand in hand. (laughs) Mm. We are morally, economically, in every other way, obligated as organizations, as employers, as economic contributors, as educational institutions to set them up for success. Is that not yeah. the end goal? Yeah. Right? How do we set them up for success with 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 healthy mindsets? Because they're also the parents yeah. of the future, are yeah. they not? You're, you're the parents of the future. You're yeah. the business leaders of the future. Yeah. So your mental health as a young person is not just about you. It's about everything you're about to do everything you do after, you know, this part of life. Mm -hmm. And imagine if you're leading a team of a hundred people 
and you're not a mentally okay leader, yeah. you know, yeah. the knock-on effect mm. that that you can then create. So we're absolutely obligated. I love the fact that your organization is, is engaging this mm-hmm. with courage. I love the fact that you tried meditation <laughs> and got some so- <laughs> solid feedback. Man. Right? But we keep trying. Call. Yeah. Because I think also it's important that we don't stop. Exactly. Because when we stop, we give up. And when we give up, what's the point? Right. And the meditation may have worked for one person. In which it, case yeah. it worked to one does. person. And it does. Yeah. I'm going to do yoga next. Yes. Hashtag Keep trying. I've got a list of things that I, can, that I can help you with. So. <laughs> yeah. It's better to try and fail because if we don't try, we're, we're sentencing them. Exactly. Right? To, yeah, to futures exactly. that, that are very little hope. I'm going to let you close us off, Mampo, with your parting shots, words of wisdom. Okay. From me, I'd like to start off by saying I'm thankful for such platforms as these where we're emphasizing the importance of learning who we truly and authentically are. That's going to result in us knowing where exactly our strengths are and also being not just leaders, but greater leaders for people that we're going to be responsible for, whether as a mother, whether as a, you know, manager. I think knowing and self, self-mastering yourself, mm. that is where you're going to unleash your inner greatness as well. And, you know, anybody who's going to be listening to a platform like this and a podcast like this, I hope that they really take the importance of first knowing who you are and when you know when you when you know who you are you're going to be able to accept who you are and focus on where you can be where you are and enjoy doing things that you want to do and i'm happy also that i'm at the point where i am in my life where i've gotten to a point of getting to a self mastery so that i can be able to serve people of my generation and because of what I've overcame, I believe that that was for the purpose of coming to serve those who are still in the same position and thinking mm. that it's impossible to overcome all of that. Mm. Yeah. And to add to that, if you want to do it so bad for someone else, do it for your future children, do it for the future generations. Don't just do it for the people you are living with because you are so harassed by the stigma of Abantubazutin. Just ask yourself, what will my kids say? If I can't do this for them, what will my kids say if their peers' parents come to school with a car and me, I'm working, I must go to a taxi and all that. Just ask yourself, what will my kids say? What were you doing, daddy? What were you doing with your time? So just, if you're not do it for people, just do it for the future generation and do it for your kids more than anything else. Mm. Okay, then. Thank you. On those incredible words of wisdom, thank you all very much for joining us today. It's been a really robust and I think very rich conversation and I'm sure we'll see you again in the studio soon. Go well everyone. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. It was a great thank conversation. You thank you for having us. Heal Your Mind podcast with Tracy Cotson is hosted by Mental Wellness Initiative and supported by the Ford Foundation. Mm-hmm.